as I was thinking of this, um, you know, many times it's easy for us just to get our our own little people that we're comfortable with, and we think, well, I don't, I don't have a whole lot in common with them. And yet when you read the book of Acts, you read one of the things about the book of Acts was often you will read that they had all things in common that they were of one mind and one spirit. And, and really, that was the... Of course, it was the power of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit produced in them a oneness that was like unto laser. My limited understanding of laser is that it is light beams that are all in sync. They're, they're all, these light rays are going everywhere, okay? But a laser light, um, all the light rays are together and in sync, and, and as you know, there's great power in that. And when we as believers really get in step with the Holy Spirit. And that's the key. It's not getting in step with this program or this preacher or this or whatever else. It's getting in step with the Holy Spirit. It's walking in the Spirit. Then there is great power in the church. And God designed that there should be great glory in the church. I mean... The church is His design. It's His program. It's what He works through. And in Acts chapter 4, you notice verse 32. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, <clears throat> but they had all things common. You notice if you look in chapter 2 and verse 44. Well, we'll back up. Verse 41. Then they that gladly received His word were baptized. The same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in breaking of bread and prayers. And fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles and all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing dead from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. In both these passages you found many references to oneness, had all things common. I, I won't go into it tonight, but this is not teaching socialism. Um, socialism is a forced redistribution of, of wealth. This is a voluntary. They realize that everything we have is God's, and if my brother has a need... And God directs, I'm willing to give. They had all things common. The word common that is used there 
is, it literally means shared by all or several. Now, we are, we are a, we're getting a message coming in, amen? And I, I understand, I understand, I have sat in meetings and, and about panic. Ah, my phone is in my pocket and I don't think it's, and I'm not real good with my phone and I think, if I go to shut this off, it's probably going to go, you know, make some noise and everything. And then, what's he doing playing with his phone? I understand. And the older I get, the more forgetful I get, all right? So, now, I do, this is what I do ask, that you don't answer your phone and talk to someone in the service, okay? At least we can go there, all right? But... How did I get there? This aspect of of having all things common. We look around and we think, you know what? I don't have a lot in common with a lot of people. But when we understand the power of Christ is seen in the unity it produces in his followers. And I want to call attention tonight to what we do have in common. And when we say common, I don't mean like, oh, this is just a a common piece of furniture, meaning just plain or whatever. I mean, we... We share this together. This is, we're in this together. <clears throat> Number one, we have common sin. Every one of us are sinners. Every one of us have a litany of sins that are, are embarrassing, that were, if, if they were brought up, they, they were, are shameful our pride, we are all filled with sin. We were born into this world with sin. We, we have all that in common. We, we tend to think of, um, <clears throat> wow, this person really had a lot of sin and, and God saved them out of it. What, a, what an amazing testimony. I remember as a kid growing up, we had an evangelist that, that was saved out of a life of uh, um, the mafia. <clears throat> and the stories he could tell as a kid, I'd sit there, wow, you know, and what a testimony. It is a testimony of God's grace to save out of that. <clears throat> but any sin is a testimony of God's grace. And, and we, every one of us, every person on the face of the earth, but in particular, we here tonight... We have that in common. We have common sin. And then we have in common the grace of God. I mean, as believers here tonight, we, we have this common sin that we share together and we rejoice tonight. We are adopted into God's family by the grace of God. And you didn't get saved any different way than anybody else got saved. God uses different circumstances and, and, and different, that's what I love, hearing the testimonies as we heard last Sunday night. <clears throat> it, 
It's indeed incredible, but it's all the common grace of God. For by grace are we saved through faith. And we have a common word. It's the same manual for every one of us. <clears throat> he didn't, he didn't <clears throat> bring out anything for certain people. Here's a special edition for you. And uh, here's a special edition for you. You've been to college or you have this much money or you have this heritage. No, we all have access to the Word of God and we share that in common that the Word of God is our standard for authority and practice. That, that's what we share. We, we together share that in common. We have a common spirit. Meaning the Holy Spirit is what I mean. And the Holy Spirit understands how God designed every one of us. And He leads us each differently, but all the same as well. He understands we have different experiences, different personalities, different inclinations. But the same thing. It's not like the Spirit of God is going to lead one person going completely that way, let's say, on some issue of belief, and someone completely the other. The Holy Spirit of God does not contradict the Word of God, and He does not contradict Himself. And so, when, when there are conflicts, say, over doctrine, um, the conflict is with us, not the Spirit. The misunderstandings with us it's not with the Spirit of God. And, and so we have this in common. We have <clears throat> the common word. We have the commonality. We share this together. The Spirit of God dwells within every one of us as believers. And then we have the common goal. The same goal for you that God has for you is the same goal for me and everybody else here tonight he wants to glorify Himself through Christ-likeness in our life. So, you know, sometimes we say, I wish I knew what God was doing. Well, we do know what God's doing. He's working to make us Christ-like. I mean, <clears throat> and admittedly, there's things like, I don't know what to do about this. But you can rest in. We all share the same goal that... This ought to be our goal anyway. It's God's goal, and it's, it's what He's pushing us toward. And um, sometimes we as Christians are like herding chickens, you know? That's a horrible job, all right? But the reality is, we, we have this common goal. I want, we're, we're sharing this together. I want to be like Christ. God wants me to be like Christ. You want to be like Christ. And we have a common job. We talked about this last week, to share the gospel. Why did God leave us here? Why does He want us Christ-like? Our job is to share the good news. This is good news that, yes, we're all sinners. We have that common sin. But God sent His Son, the grace of God, that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men. And so, that's our job. Our job is to... to we all have the same job. You might drive a truck. 
You might be a secretary, a homemaker, you might be a farmer, whatever it is, those are just ways that we provide for, but our job is to represent Christ. Our job is to share the gospel. And we all have a common hope. In Titus chapter 2, in verse 13, he mentions this this common hope that we have and the reality of it. Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. And it's not a hope-so thing. It's a, <clears throat> excuse me, a confident expectation. I mean, when, when we left Randy and Carol, we said, you know, who knows, maybe before we even get back to Iowa, the Lord will come again. What a blessed hope we have. And we live in light of that. I'm telling you, what I see going on in the world today, and when you read the Scriptures, this is our, our blessed hope, the appearing of Jesus Christ, what He said here. Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Maybe today. Amen? And what a... What a that... That's the common hope that we have. And then we have a common home. This world is not my home. Heaven is my home. And that's our home. All of these things we share together in common. And, and so there ought to be a oneness. And, and we often say, why is it, as in the book of Acts, when they were facing persecution... Why did it really bind them together? Why was there a oneness there? Because it made them realize all these other things don't really matter. But you and I share together common sin and common grace and the common Word and the common Spirit. We have the same goal. We have the same job. We have the same blessed hope. We have, we're going the same place. Amen? Let's go! And so they were together. And they had this oneness that is there. And that unity is a testimony of God's grace. The love one another commands that we've been looking at for a number of weeks on Sunday night. All of those commands that he gives are instrumental in bringing unity. But, The enemy of unity is not disunity. The enemy of unity is autonomy or self-will. When we are self-willed, when we don't submit to the Spirit of God, then it disrupts the unity that God is trying to build. And, And in understanding, as I... As I studied and thought on this, I thought, how true that is. It's not disunity that disrupts unity. It's self-willed. It's autonomy. I, I can be my own thing. I can do my own thing. I don't need others. I don't need to love one another and be kind to one another and pray for one another and forgive one another and receive one another and be hospitable to one another and so on and so forth. 
And when an individual refuses to submit to the teaching of the Scripture and the authority of Scripture and the authority that God places over them, then it brings disunity. I mean, it's, it's in simple little things. <clears throat> when, when a church body makes a decision and a person that's committed to unity, although they may not have agreed with it, they say, well, if the church body, as long as it's not violating doctrine, of course, not violating Scripture, a, a person committed to unity... Um, doesn't try to create dissent, doesn't try to stir things up. But an, on, an autonomous person, on the other hand, maintains his position and continues in his spirit to stir things up and, and things. The, the, the issue comes down to submitting to the Spirit. There are many things that we don't have in common. Some some like sports, some hate sports. Some like hunting, some don't like hunting. Some like the four seasons, some hate the four seasons. Some, we could go on and on and on and list. But when we choose, no, these are the things that matter, what we already said, grace, the Word, the Spirit, and so on. These are the things I share in common with. And we build unity, not about what we're against, but build it on the fact of Jesus Christ, His Word, His Spirit, and His work. So, in understanding that, you know, whether you like it or not, God really is putting you together with people. And, and the ones that maybe rub you the wrong way, that's... God's taken a 60-grit sandpaper and really rubbing us, all right? And why? We have some rough edges that need worked out of us. And in the reality, you can't be a follower of Christ and neglect one another and neglect the church. And you're here tonight, you're not neglecting the church, but we can be here and neglect one another. So, um, if I could have some men come and hand out these sheets tonight, um, and I, I, one, two, we need two over here, all right? Here we got Nick and Richard here. Um, And as I was going over this, I thought, I want to put these in your hands so you can stick them in your Bible and break the binding of your Bible like all the other handouts that we give, all right? No. So you can, can put them in your Bible, and when you read the Bible, in your time alone with God, that you can ask yourself, I am to love one another. And we've gone over all these one another things. And these are people that I have a lot in common with in Jesus Christ. And so, um, let me just start through these, but you'll get them (coughs) and have them. (coughs) And I think they'll be putting them up on the board. So questions we can ask ourselves for loving one another. 
Who do I need to give unconditional acceptance to? And I'm not going to go on and re-preach all the messages that we've dealt with, but we've we preach messages on each of these. Who have you submitted your will to? Um, you know, it, it shows up in just simple little things. I'm using this as an illustration. I have no idea if it's ever applied. At the fellowship table. The plates go first. I don't even know what order they are, okay? But plates go first, silverware, and napkins. Well, I think you ought to put silverware first, and then napkins, then the plates, and then the tray. And there are people that get all tied up in knots over stupid little things like that. No, I'm going to submit my will to you. I know my ways best, but I'm going to submit my will to you. Even that would be an improvement. You might say, I know when we get to heaven, the marriage supper of the Lamb, it'll be my way. The table will be set up, all right? But it doesn't matter. Who do I need to submit my will to? Who have you forgiven or sought forgiveness from or need to seek forgiveness from? Who are you joyfully enduring? And, and really, that's, that's literally what it means as we, we looked at this several weeks ago. To joyfully endure. There's one thing of enduring. There's another of joyfully enduring. That, you know what? God created them the way they are. And I'm thankful God created them the way they are. And I am joyfully enduring. Who are you interceding for? Who are you pleading God's mercies on their behalf? What deeds of kindness have you done? What deeds of kindness can you do? What actions of yours have been motivated by a concern for someone else? Because of my concern for them, this is what I'm going to do. I mean, motivated by that, the thinking of others. Whose burden have you made your own? What have you done to avoid fleshly temptation personally? And to avoid defrauding others. Who have you helped to refocus on Christ? I mean, they may have said, you met with someone, God, this makes me so mad. They caved in this omnibus bill that they passed. I get so sick and tired. And, And you said, wait a minute, I felt the same way, but God's still on the throne. And we can trust God, and God is good to help refocus. We all need that help because we're all prone to get get in the ditch. You know, we're all prone to go the wrong way, to refocus. When did you last resist the temptation to speak evil? Resisting that temptation is not adding, I probably shouldn't say this, but blah, 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 blah. No, resisting temptation is you're thinking, I probably shouldn't say this, so I'm not going to say it. I mean, can you look back to a time when you, re- you really did? Man, I feel like, no. Zip it. Did we say that when we were raising, the kids were still in the house. Zip it, midget. Yeah. <laughs> I was the Esterville midgets, all right, so I... But, you know, we need to tell ourselves that. Zip it. 
Who have you invited to your home recently? What from your life experience are you using to comfort and encourage others? What authority do you need to submit to? Where, where are you? do you manifest a rebellious spirit? When did you last pray for oneness in our church body? You know, as, as we just kind of sum these up, and I, I want to encourage you tonight to take these and, and to pick one and say, God, which one do you want me to, to specifically work on? And you might say, well, we're supposed to work on all of them. Absolutely. But you know what? Most of us are pretty limited. Pick one and say, God, help me in, in this area. And I, I, this week, want to focus on interceding for others. And, and praying for oneness in the church body that we really would come to, to have all things in common. And that the power of God would be seen. You know, I thank God for our church family. I thank God for our church body. But things can be even better. The glory of God to be manifested in a mighty working of revival. So that people would say, man, you can tell they're Christians. How's that? Well, they're all weird. No, by the way they love one another. And, and the reality of understanding and accepting that and being a part of that, <clears throat> to be a part of God's program, that's what we want. Heavenly Father, we marvel at your design in creation, in in designing every one of us as human beings, in your design for the church. And as we mentioned this morning, your ways are far beyond our ways. But Lord, you've given us everything we need to know for life and godliness. And I do pray that, that we really would learn to have a genuine love one for another. And Lord, that we would have your grace that maybe those that naturally maybe rub us the wrong way, that we would have your grace to learn to love and appreciate and value and share together as one in you. And so, Lord, we've said often we want you to make us the type of church you want us to be. And I pray that you would keep moving us to that direction that there would be great glory in the church and that you would be the focal point of it. So, Lord, thank you for the opportunity that we have to be a part of your family, to be a part of this local assembly. Uh, Lord, may you find us faithful. May you find us fervent in our love for you and our love for others. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.